Thriving in divorce and beyond means not having to worry about the safety of your children when it comes to co-parenting. With alcohol abuse on the rise, many co-parents are turning to the system committed to providing proof, protection, and peace of mind. Soberlink's alcohol monitoring system is the most convenient, reliable, and reasonable way for a parent to provide evidence that they are not drinking during parenting time. Soberlink's real-time alerts, facial recognition, and tamper detection ensure the integrity of each test so you can be confident your kids are with a sober parent. With Soberlink, judges rest assured that your child is safe, attorneys get court-admissible evidence of sobriety, and both parents have empowerment and peace of mind. Pull back the curtain on the mysteries of parenting time and trust the experts in remote alcohol monitoring technology to keep you informed and your kids safe and secure. To download the resource I created with Soberlink, Divorce and Addiction, A Guide to Move Forward, visit www.soberlink.com backslash Susan. Coming up on today's episode of the Divorce and Beyond podcast. There are five things that that we all do. Try not to judge yourself and say, oh, my my ex does that or my, you know, my mother does that. My father does that. Yeah, they probably do. We all do it. And so like just knowing that you do it is really important and it will really help you to um, resolve arguments because you can clear away your emotions by understanding your behaviors. Hello, and welcome to the Divorce and Beyond podcast. I'm Susan Guthrie, your host. As a top divorce attorney and family law mediator for 30 years, I know what you need to know to get through your divorce, and most importantly, how to move beyond it to thrive and transition to your new future. My experts and I are here to give you the insider view into the process, so listen in for the wisdom and expert information you need on your journey through divorce and beyond. Hello, and welcome to the Divorce and Beyond podcast. I'm Susan Guthrie, your host. And listeners, we've got a special guest with us today. Gabrielle Hartley is back with us. Gabrielle has been here three times before um, with her first book, Better Apart, The Radically Positive Way to Separate, which basically started the entire positive divorce movement. Um, Then Gabrielle came back and talked with us about mediating through COVID online. Then she came back when her fantastic viral uh, TEDx came out. And now she's back again, everyone, because very exciting. Her second book is about to launch. It's going to launch next week. And so I will have all of the information in the show notes for you all. You can still pre-order it now. It is called The Secret to Getting Along and Why It's Easier Than You Think. So Gabrielle, thanks so much for joining us again today. Thank you for having me, Susan. So we are going to actually talk about not necessarily how to resolve conflict, but we are going to talk today about some of the conflict behaviors that people very commonly exhibit during their divorce process that they don't even think they do. 
right? Don't we hear all the time from people like, oh, we're very amicable. This is going to be so easy. And then we find as we dive underneath, there are actually at least one of these behaviors going on. And unfortunately, those behaviors kind of hold things up, don't they? Yes, absolutely. And and their behaviors beyond gaslighting, beyond drama queens, beyond lying, cheating, and stealing. Yeah, those things are also, sadly, pretty common. But these are the more subtle behaviors that you and I, as you know, family law attorneys and mediators now for 30-plus years, we, ha- we see these, at least one of them, I would say, at some point in almost any mediation process, any negotiation process, because they're, they're human behaviors. Um, we all react to conflict differently. Uh, and so these are all things I think, you know, that we're going to talk about. I think the importance of them is making people aware that they exist, both in their spouse's behaviors so they can recognize what's happening but also in their own behavior so they can see what they might be doing, right? Absolutely, right? It all begins with us, actually. Yeah, I know you talk about it that in the book and the TEDx as well. So uh, let's start with just sort of a typical scenario of what we see when a couple comes into a mediation. I know you recently had a blog, and I'll link to this in the show notes, everyone, but you sort of gave an example of a couple that was coming in for their first divorce mediation session. And I have to tell you, I read it and I'm like, yep, yep, yeah. yep. And so just um, just so you know and your listeners know, um, in order to access these newsletters, you actually have to subscribe to the conflict cl- code. They're not posted as blogs. They're part of the conflict code series, um, which is sort of out there to kind of help you see, okay, how can I get through this crap a little bit better? So, so anyway, yeah. Where can you I, find it? Cause I, obviously I have registered for it and signed oh, up yeah, and I love Gabrielle. it. Gabrielhartley.com. And um, you just, you sign up for the private divorce solution and whether or not you're going through a divorce and you need a mediator, you know, you'll get a couple of emails about how the private divorce solution works. But then after those stop, you're going to continue getting just a weekly, quick little newsletter about the conflict code and how to combat the conflict in your life, conflict, how to listen to conflict around you that you may not directly be dealing with and all things conflict related. So um, this week I was talking about a couple um, who came in and they said, Susan, in my favorite line, go ahead, Susan, take it away. What's our favorite line? We want it to be amicable. Right. And I'm like, no amicable. No, no, no. Good enough. So my goal with people is is truly to help them, of course, resolve whatever issues are at hand for them, be it financial, you know, even emotional or having to manage the kids. But the way that we work together, when you work with me, it's also to to start to implement a rollout of a less violent way, not to over not to over dramatize, but a less violent way of communicating and to actually prioritize peace, not unicorn and fairy fake, you know, oh, we're besties peace, but just, you know, getting on a better footing 
Number one, so if you have kids, they can feel better. Number two, if you have kids and you have to keep seeing your ex, you can feel better. But even if you're never going to see the person that you're divorcing ever, ever again, you know, with or without kids, just so you can feel better about what that relationship was, right? And so, so people come in and they say, we want it to be amicable. And then the very next thing that happens is somebody comes in and says, we've pretty much gotten it all figured out. And they start to tell you what they've done. And then the other person is like, what are you talking about? Like you said those things. I didn't agree to those things. Right. And so, and it's a very familiar sort of scenario. And so, you know, briefly there are, there are five things that, that we all do when I name them, right. Try not to judge yourself and say, oh, my, my ex does that, or my, you know, my mother does that. My father does that. Yeah, they probably do. We all do it. And so like, just knowing that you do it is really important and it will really help you to um, resolve arguments because you can clear away your emotions by understanding your behaviors. You know, it's so interesting that you say that Gabrielle, because you know, you, you used the word violence and, and in the conflict. And, and I think um, I want to, sort of dive into that for a second before we go into the five behaviors, because, you know, as we're thinking about violence, that brings to to mind a very combative, adversarial type of communication. And the reality is these behaviors are, maybe I would use the word dysfunction a little bit more, because while some of them might be you know, uh, a little more overt, a lot of them can feel subversive or a little bit about not dealing with the issues head on or not dealing and being communicative. In fact, I think one of them is sort of the burying your head in the sand. I call it ostrich syndrome, right? Where in, in fact, the person isn't overtly arguing with someone. They're actually basically just not dealing with it. Right. And sometimes not dealing with something is perceived as acquiescence. And that can start a whole spiral. And I just want to um, suggest that while these behaviors are dysfunctional, we pretty much all do them. Some of us may catch ourselves when we're doing them, but I just, I, I almost, you know, I, I'm not a mental health professional, you know, disclaimer, disclaimer, but these are, these are just behaviors that we learned to cope with their own stress. Maybe our parents did them, maybe things happened when we were young. So I just think it's really important to just highlight when we say them um, that these are, are things that it would be, it's really helpful for you if, when you catch yourself doing it, especially because if you catch yourself doing them, then you can take a pause and even own, oh, I'm doing this and say it to the other person. And that will typically de-escalate them from whatever behavior they're doing. Right. And, and that is a good point, right? You get people, when you do something, it has consequences or don't do something as we're talking about burying your head in the sand, but that then it can have consequences with the person you're communicating with. And you, you gave the example, and we have both seen this one, right? Where your spouse may say to you, I think it's fair if you keep your retirement and I keep my retirement. And in your head, you're saying, eh, I don't know about that, but we'll talk about it later, or we'll deal with this when we're in mediation, or I'll let my attorney talk to his attorney about it. But your spouse, when you don't say anything or communicate further, you, you use the word, they think you're agreeing. They think you're acquiescing to it. 
then when it comes out later that no, 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 that's not what I meant, they feel like you're backtracking, like you're reneging on an agreement. Yeah, exactly. And it's a really big problem. Yeah. And we see it in oh so many of our cases. So that burying it in the sand, you know, is it better to tell someone, hey, can we just put a pin in that and talk about it later? Yes. So the people who tend to bury their head in the sand are people who have a hard time saying no, or people who take a little longer to process. That doesn't mean they're not bright. They just process more slowly, right? Or or you could say they're less impulsive, right? Maybe it's like a a good thing that they process slower. As a really quick processor, right? I don't, I'm like, they're just slow. But honestly, like, you know, they're thinking things through. And so adopting some phrasing that you feel comfortable with, you can say, I need a little bit of time. Let's talk about this. And then name when you're going to talk about it, right? Like, Come up with a phrase that works rather than giving the person either the overt okay or the sense of acquiescence. Because just as Susan said, you do that and you're going to wind up with the big kaboom. And and we have seen that repeatedly. Oh, yes, Um, we have. (laughs) So many times. And it's unfortunate because then it just sort of starts taking you down a a conflict cycle, right? Where now that person feels like you've done them wrong and you kind of feel like they've done you wrong by presuming that you acquiesced. But there's the flip side of that. And you see, we see this quite often too. And maybe this is that person who walked into the mediation or the negotiation with the spreadsheet of everything that's been already agreed upon. There's there's a sort of a tendency for some folks to steamroll, I think you call it. Mm-hmm. And and so the steamroller is managing their own anxiety. I, I look at everybody with a glass half full. So you could say, and and the person who buries their head in the sand is typically um, processing the steamroller as though he or she is being controlling, right? But what they're doing more times than not is sort of spinning with all the possible scenarios. Now they may be giving a scenario that they most prefer, which often happens. The person is very cunning. Sometimes they're not. Sometimes they're really bending over backwards to just get the the, the person, the ostrich, to engage, So it's really a dance, you know, understanding. I mean, from my point of view, as the person managing the conflict in the room as a mediator, I'm always looking for what's happening and trying to neutralize the room by bringing down the charge or or raising the engagement. Well, and I think it's really interesting what you just said, and I think it might help people in dealing with the behavior that their spouse is exhibiting or the other person in their, you know, in their discussion, that both of these sort of stem from the anxiety of maybe dealing with the unknown, of trying to move things forward, of trying to make sure that the negotiation or the mediation unfolds properly. They're just dealing with their anxiety in kind of completely opposite ways. Exactly. So if you can look at it like that and you can ask yourself, how do I like when you're in a when you're in a fight with somebody about anything or you know just think to my think to yourself 
what what am I feeling, right? This is really like the S and the yes method, right? You're going to shelve the conversation for a minute. What am I thinking? What am I feeling? And then how am I acting, right? Because how we act interferes with our ability to really engage with our needs and our emotional story, which is the E and the yes method. So, I mean, it's all very intertwined. It, it really does all start with you. And it also really starts with you noticing how you feel and taking that pause. So, and by taking that pause, like we said a few minutes ago, you can either stop catastrophizing or stop steamrollering or whatever it is that you're doing, or you can say, ooh, I feel like maybe this feels like steamrollering to you. You know what I mean? Like owning where you are. Right. I think there's a great deal of power in recognizing what you're doing and being able to own that with the other person for both people. I know that some of you out there are dealing with complex financial circumstances in your divorce that are leaving you with a pit in your stomach. Well, Hollis Hardiman is a certified divorce financial analyst and wealth manager who can provide you with the guidance and support you need during the divorce process. Hollis was recently a guest expert on the show, and you can listen to her popular episode, What You Need to Know About Your Money When Starting Your Divorce. Hollis is highly trained and experienced in analyzing all aspects of divorce finance, including property division, spousal and child support, estate planning, and investment tax considerations. She works closely with you and your legal team to ensure you receive a fair settlement considering your financial needs and goals. So regardless of where in the divorce process you are, Hollis can provide you with the insights and tools you need to make informed decisions and to secure your financial future. You can get in touch with Hollis today to schedule a complimentary consultation. Just email her at hpardeman at meritfa.com and be sure to let her know you heard about her on Divorce and Beyond. Hey listeners, it's Susan. Just wanted to let you know that I have a brand new website that's dedicated to helping people grow a business and become the entrepreneur that they want to be. Um, it's called Susan Guthrie, your partner in success. And right now for anyone who is trying to build a business, I have a free book. It's called Building the Practice of Your Dreams, one month of daily tips for finding success. And you can get a free download of the book so just go to the brand new website. It's susaneguthrie.com, all spelled out. And you'll be able to link to the book, link to both of my podcasts and all of my other resources. So go check it out. Stay tuned to hear more from Gabrielle on the five destructive behaviors we all have and how knowing about them can help us resolve conflicts easier. And finding which of these behaviors you are demonstrating is really the first step in getting to the place where we can start really talking about what has to happen to resolve the conflict. And now we return to today's show. We do tend to be pretty unaware. We're upset when these things are happening. We are emotionally dysregulated. That's why we're in conflict. That's why we're talking about this, right? Like you're getting divorced. You're like about to quit your job because your boss won't let you telecommute, right? Like this, this is what I hear about all the time from HR, right? We've got somebody who wants to telecommute. They're really a valuable employee, but we've got a policy, no telecommuting. Okay, well, let's 
unpack that, but let's first address these rough personality, dysfunctional things that we do, destructive things that we do. And, um, and once we start to peel that back, we can get into actually resolving the conflict. And that's, you know, ultimately that's where both people want to get to. So there's also that, that understanding that you're both engaged in an exercise where the end result, an agreement or a resolution is where you both hopefully want to be. Um, now you mentioned a minute ago, catastrophizing. And I think, you know, that's another one of the behaviors that people exhibit. And, and you mentioned to me when we were in the pre taping that catastrophizing is kind of the other side of the coin of another of the behaviors, which is minimizing. What, what can you tell me about those? Yeah. So like a catastrophizer is the person who has the sense that like the sky is falling, you know, everything's going to go wrong. Chicken you little know. running around. Oh my God. Yeah, exactly. And, and, you know, interestingly, I know you asked about minimizers, but I'm going to say the same person who buries their head in the sand when they wake up, oftentimes they're in catastrophize mode because they haven't processed all the little tiny steps. Right. So the catastrophizer is more apt to run to court, you know, oh, this is never going to work out. I got to, we're going to file or, you know, they're never going to let me telecommute. I have to quit. Or this person is never going to bend, even if they're like your best employee. I'm not dealing with this demand, right? They're catastrophizing. The minimizer has learned to manage their stress and anxiety by thinking, no, nothing's a big deal. Those people are really kind of they can be easy to be around. They can be super relatable because they're not making everything into what we'd call a big drama. But put a minimizer together with a catastrophizer, and we've got the sense that there's there's a lot of invalidating that goes on, right? The catastrophizer is then crazy, right? The catastrophizer is the drama queen, like the whole thing, right? So it's it's all a dynamic, and we're different. You in your life. You may be more, you may surround yourself with people who bring out some of these traits more than others of these traits, but we all have all of these traits within us. Like if you were to sit down and write down the destructive behavioral habits and you say, oh, I'm a this, but then you push yourself and say, hmm, but have I been a that? You have been. Like we've all been all these things because they work dynamically. I don't know if I'm making any sense. Um, yeah, but we, but but we were. It works dynamically with whomever you are um, interacting with, right? I, I I often tell the story that when I was young and I was like dating a lot of people. <laughs> that's a, that doesn't sound right. What but a anyway. surprise, Gabrielle! <laughs> I had um, you know, I had a boyfriend who was like kind of super laid back, and Friends was really popular then, right? And like he thought I was like Monica, like I was so rigid and like organized, which I'm not in my mind, right? And then my after that, my next boyfriend thought I was like Phoebe, who for those of you who don't know, was like the hippie girl singing like Smelly Cat, like in the coffee bar, right? So, but I was just me. It's just like, you are whoever you are in conjunction with, in relation to whoever you're interacting with, right? And so I highlight that only to help you remove the self-judgment that comes along with noting which behavioral destructive habit that you may feel that you have when it comes out. You don't need to say like, oh, I'm not really being like that or like I'm like that because of such and such. You're just, this person brings that out in you. Like, okay, so whatever, who cares? See, I'm minimizing. <laughs> 
well done in that minimizing. I'm in a catastrophe. No, I'm just just kidding. <laughs> but that's actually a really good point, right? We do have a tendency, especially when in conflict or when going through, you know, a mediation process or a divorce negotiation, to be very, very um, aware of what we think the behaviors and flaws in the other person are and, and wanting to name them and blame them and all of that. And I like two things that you're doing here. One is you're, you're taking some of the stigma away from these behaviors. These are our coping mechanisms. These are the ways that we have learned to right. deal with our anxiety and our, our issues. They're probably also learned behaviors within that relationship. And you, you might have these dual sides of the coin. But the other thing that you're doing here, which I think is truly important, is pointing out how important it is that we recognize them in ourselves, yet not blame ourselves or stigmatize ourselves for exhibiting these behaviors. So there, there's benefit on both sides of that. Absolutely. And then, and, and then the last destructive behavioral tendency that we have is, I affectionately call it pot stirring, and I like to picture, you know, I don't know if we're allowed to say witch anymore, witch's cauldron stirring the pot. And, you know, it almost seems like a nefarious behavioral trait, but like, you know, people who pot stir, a lot of them are very, like the people who bury their head in the sands, they can really not like conflict. And so they deflect, they might deflect about anything, you know, and I think comedians, they come off as potsters because that's what they're doing. They're always pointing to, you know, the other angle at something to not really necessarily dive into something in a serious way. You know, potsters are people too, you know, they're just trying to get through the day, right? And I often hear in mediation, people say, he's always stirring the pot. She's always stirring the pot. And, And if you look at it a bit more, you know, to bring in a little bit of better apart here, a little bit with forgiveness, right? Like forgive yourself if you stir the pot, forgive the other person if they're stirring the pot. Like like we're all just freaking trying to get through the day and like feel better. Like let's not make this into something that it's not, right? Like we're trying to like get out of this relationship or make this job workable or get along better with your kid or with your parents or with your brother who's not taking care of your parent the way you think they should be. What, you know, my brother's listening to this. I'm not talking about you, (laughs) but you know what I mean? Like forgiveness of yourself is the most important part of conflict resolution and finding which of these behaviors you are demonstrating is really the first step in getting to the place where we can start really talking about what has to happen to resolve the conflict. Such a good point. And I just, I'm going to, to sort of summarize them. We had steamroll, bury your head in the sand, minimize, catastrophize, and then our good old witchy uh, pot stir at the end. But, and the other last point uh, I want to make about those five behaviors, and tell me if you agree, I think that we can see any or all of these in both people in a couple in a mediation like you may be more of a ostrich hide your head in the sand but every once in a while you may point pop up with some steamrolling tendencies or vice versa absolutely and and when it comes to couples as compared to any other conflict quite often you have one person burying their head in the sand when it comes to finances and the other person burying their head in the sand when it comes to the kids or or whatever it is. And, and also, you know, what comes up in the mediation 
doesn't necessarily mirror exactly what's happening for the people on the insides. You know, like some things are more visible, some things we're extrapolating from what we see from each other, even in your position or my position as the professional in the room or as part of a team in a larger mediation context. And and all of these reasons are why I just keep driving it back to you. You need to figure out what you're doing because from that, you're going to activate your greatest agency, your greatest accountability, your greatest power to move things from negative to positive and from positive to even better. Right. Which, which would be the next step. I don't want to leave, you know, we talked some in your TEDx episode, which again, will be linked in the, the show notes about your, you mentioned it earlier, yes method um, for getting along better. Can you just briefly give a little summary of what the book is about? Um, it's coming out again next week, people on May 16th. Uh, so just give people a little summary and how they can get the book. Sure. Um, well, you know, we're all stuck in conflict everywhere in our lives, more now more than ever. And the main goal is that, you know, instead of cutting people out, there's ways to reframe relationships to cut people in or to walk away with a greater sense of peace and equanimity. The lens that the book is written in is using these three key elements, which are um, intertwined a bit with each other. It's the yes method. It's your role. That's the why. The E is the emotional story. And the S is shelving heated conversations. And so using the, the yes method, you can really get through any argument. I, and it's it's crazy. Like it really works. I have lot, I have three sons and a husband, and I had a high, like I got so much conflict around me. And like I, I am like a conflict wizard, um, you know, ninja. Uh yeah, exactly. Wonder and, Woman with your and, golden bracelet. Exactly. Here's the yes, yes method. Exactly. <laughs> So you can pre-order it right now on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, really any major bookshop, but it's quite easy to get on Barnes & Noble or Amazon online, of course. If anybody is going through a divorce or some conflicted situation and you if you want to contact me, um, just go to gabriellehartley.com and you can just um, schedule a contact. Yeah, well, and I wanted to point out because you have, and for anyone who's listening who is going through a divorce, you've heard sort of Gabrielle's truly deep understanding and knowledge of the actual, you know, process of conflict and conflict resolution. Um, and she's incorporated that into something she calls the private divorce solution. And it's really, you know, it's really a whole different level of divorce mediation and a divorce mediation process that has been curated through her many years of experience and wisdom to really help people. Um, so can you tell people just a little bit about the private divorce solution? And again, I, I believe it's available at gabriellehartley.com. Yeah, you just go up to services. So the private divorce solution is a flat rate mediation service, which is curated, especially for you. You can buy them in bundles of two or four. I also create special bundles if you have specific circumstances. And during that time, I only take a limited number of clients and you have open access to um, to me to get you through your divorce, through all the hardest parts so that you can move forward and get you know, your family on a better track. And so that the divorce is not only the ending and it doesn't like the hard parts are things that you went through already at home. This private divorce solution helps you 
take charge of the rest of your life in the most peaceful way positive. And um, yeah, I, I almost want to say it's a lot of fun. I don't know if it's fun for the clients, but I, I think there's a sense of peace that clients have. And I've gotten feedback from people that it's really changed the way they interact with their um, partners. And and for me, that really warms my heart whenever I see something like that. I'm like, oh my gosh, um, you know, that it's really the process is very special. There's a lot of teaching that goes on as part of the entire um, program. And you have those skills then to take forward with you. And if you have a difficult ex, you really want to bring them in because, you know, they get some skills. Right. Well, and such a good point. And I think you've shown, I mean, everyone think about what it would be like to go through a divorce mediation process with someone who has the knowledge and understanding and ability to share with you, just like Gabrielle did in this episode about, you know, the five behaviors that people exhibit. I guarantee you knowing those five behaviors is now going to change how you go through any difficult conversations, conflictual situations in your life going forward. And Gabrielle brings that wealth of knowledge and experience to her process. Not that easy to get in to see her. I will say I know how busy she is, but if you are um, going through a divorce process, you want it to, to, to be you know next level, get in touch with Gabrielle at gabriellehartley.com. Well, Gab, I always enjoy having you come visit me. I cannot wait for the book launch next week. You'll be seeing me, everybody, all over Instagram talking about the book um, and Gabrielle as well. So don't forget to go follow her on Instagram at Gabrielle Hartley ESQ, just like me at Susan Guthrie ESQ. Thanks so much for joining us, Gabrielle. you for joining me today on the Divorce and Beyond podcast. I hope you found some information and inspiration to help you on this journey. Please join me every Monday at 6 a.m. Eastern Standard Time for a new episode. And if you like the show, please take the time to subscribe and leave me a five-star review on iTunes. You can also find more information on the website at divorceandbeyondpod.com where you'll find links to the YouTube channel, transcripts of the episodes, and other bonus content. So I'll see you next week to help you move through your divorce and beyond.